six years ago when when uh, my father and I started discussing how we could use our health message more effectively in bringing people to the gospel the way it was really intended to be. We, we uh, recognize that um, education is so critical, and as my, my parents are educators, now both professors emeritus from Andrews University, they had been doing marriage enrichment and family life seminars for, oh, decades. And they recognized that we needed, to, we needed to cross the gap between relational health, emotional health, spiritual health, and the traditional biological health that we so oftentimes discuss as clinicians, the eight natural remedies, the New START principles, which we all so enjoy sharing with, with our patients. But, so we came up with this model, this ministry of healing model that expanded to all the areas of holistic health and healing. And together with many other uh, consultants and, uh, and health professionals, over the last six years, a lot of work has gone into developing this model and providing materials for health professionals like you to be involved in this product. I'll just give you my two cents here. Uh, we're, all, uh, we're all aware of the, well, Okay, the, we're all aware of the eight natural remedies. It's sort of the, the guidebook to much of what we do. But as we study the book Ministry Healing, we found there are seven chapters on the family in the book Ministry Healing. And that the, whereas we were very keen on Ministry Healing 123, there are eight natural remedies, one paragraph, uh, but the seven chapters on the family, many times they go past the board with only a passing interest. And so it was our desire to put this together in the book Ministry Healing, where it speaks much of love, forgiveness, and of course the, uh, the, uh, the whole question of mind cure, the mind-spirit dimension. We tried to get all this together to really speak of holistic healing. So... Over the last six years, we've been putting materials together and implementing. And I just want to share with you something that we've done just in the last few months at the Fallbrook Seventh Avenue Church. Dr. Tam, who will be speaking in a little while, who's the president of the Rancho Family Medical Group in Temecula, California, large family medical group uh, in the Temecula Valley area, and I have, have been working with the local SDA churches to, to have something that really attracts the community to the churches, besides what we've traditionally done in the past. And, and wanting to have a program completely done and videotaped ready to make materials, plug-and-play materials available to health professionals such as yourself, we only had a week's notice in, in uh, the community to get this started. And 200 people showed up at our church. And we're a destination church in Fallbrook. And that means it's not a, there's no community around the church at all. It's just right there by the 15 freeway on the way to San Diego. And, uh, and so people just came from everywhere 
And they were also attracted to those patients who had been involved with us in previous programs at the clinic said, wow, we can go to a free program? We don't have to pay anything for this? And so they all, many of them came as well. And uh, so we'll be sharing aspects of that with you throughout this presentation. But I wanted to also thank uh, Dr. Nedley, who will be addressing us a little bit, uh, his specific programs, in a little while. Um, he has been a mentor, I think I can speak for many of us, and, um, and myself included. About two years ago, actually at the general conference session, we spoke with Dr. Nedley, and uh, I didn't even know he had his, all his materials all together. So we purchased all his materials, and just like many of you were so busy, it just sat in my office while we were doing all kinds of other programs for almost a year. And one day, I was impressed to say, you know, we're just going to do it. We don't have time to prepare. You know, we, we, don't, have, we don't have time to feel comfortable doing this, but we're just going to do it. And so we, we passed out flyers for an eight-week depression recovery series. That very weekend that we started it, we had a special homeless shelter meal, our church did. And there was somebody there at the, at the homeless uh, meal that we provided that said, wow, you're doing a depression program? He says, I have a lot of problems with depression. He came to that very first session. In fact, we sent somebody to pick him up at the beach where he lived. And he came. We didn't realize he was packing guns and he had machetes and he, had, he was a Vietnam vet uh, with post-traumatic stress disorder. I mean, he was, uh, he was a mean dude. But he was very interested in what we had to offer. God provided that program for, for such a time as that. Nine months later, as, as he was now working with us in our radio station, doing a local language Bible study every week on the radio station, he said to me, he says, you know, Wes? He says, I had decided to take my life that day. The morning you sent somebody to pick me up at the beach, I was planning to take my life. And, uh, and now he, uh, he's a missionary in Guam uh, uh, and to the other islands of the Pacific sharing his message of, um, of the, well, the good news of the gospel and how he was saved from taking his own life. So that's just a tribute to Dr. Neil Nedley and all the hard work that he's done in providing the material so that we can take, take the message to all those that we have influence over. And, uh, and so, uh, and a little bit later, I'm going to be sharing with you how we have even adapted his material using our current material to reach other other areas of disease state management. So, um, so welcome to our discussion today on how to use the wind wellness materials as a health evangelism program in your churches and how to even bridge that right out of your own clinics uh, using, using the materials to help you develop disease state management programs that you can actually charge group medical visits for. We've been doing this for years now in Guam. We've been doing that for almost 10 years, and uh, very successfully. Uh, just moved from Guam after 14 years of service there with the SDA Medical Clinic, and, um, and now I'm working with Dr. M at the Rancho Family Medical Group, and we'll be discussing that in a little bit more. 
So, uh, Dad, uh, the time is yours uh, to discuss the, the, the originator and the real mastermind behind wind wellness. Thank you. Well, I can't quite take the beat on that one. Uh, we really consider that uh, this is a divine idea for which I do not take credit. And so uh, uh, we just praise the Lord that uh, he put the program together and uh, sometimes he uses clay and faulty material to do the job, but praise his name, somehow the job gets done. Uh, you could have done this yourself. But probably you don't have six years to work on the PowerPoint and put the program together. And that's what it's taken. And here we are, six years later, some almost $70,000 later, uh, with the PowerPoint, the rights, and all these kinds of things. I want you to know we're not in this for the money. My wife and I have never taken a penny of money for this. Uh, we count it a privilege to work in the Lord's work. Uh, so... Uh, let me, uh, let, let's talk a little bit of uh, philosophy about uh, medical missionary work. You have a slip in your hands that's called Every Church a Medical Missionary Center. <clears throat> we start out checking people's MEQ. Uh, uh, IQ is old hat. This is MEQ, means Medical Evangelism Quotient. Uh, how is your MEQ this morning? Uh, let's look here at question number one. Uh, it could be true or it could be false or it could be, I don't know. Medical missionary work is a desirable but not a necessary part of the mission of the local church. What would you say? False. Let's look at number three. In today's sophisticated world, Degreed healthcare professionals are the only ones capable of fulfilling the commission, heal the sick. False. Okay. Number four. Every member of the church should be trained to do effective medical missionary evangelism. If you believe this is true, raise your hand. If you believe this is not true, raise your hand. All right, uh, a large majority uh, uh, feel strongly about this, and uh, I, I wish we could discuss it, but time does not permit us to. But let's just uh, let's just turn over here and the uh, the back of this same sheet, and uh, let's uh, let's read here number five. Uh, would you read the paragraph marked number five? The church should awake. And I want you to read with me the first sentence together. We have come to a time when every member of the church should take hold of medical missionary work. Now, the rest of the statement is great. Uh, read it at your, at your leisure. Uh, let's read number six together, please. A part of the work of every church. The medical missionary work should be a part of the work of every church in our land. Now, I find that the people all believe this. What they have not had is the tools to carry it out. They are convinced that this is true. Is there, a, uh, is there an important timeline involved in this? Uh, and I want to go on to number seven. 
and a volunteer, uh, some lady who would read number seven, please. Pardon me, number eight, number eight. A feminine volunteer, please. Okay, we'll just take it to there. Uh, do you believe that statement? Uh, I, I think you believe it because you're a member of Amen. Uh, and uh, the, the believers are the ones who are here. But, uh, uh, of course, I've worked next door to the seminary for 25 years, and I, I wish I could get this point across, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if it always gets through. Uh, so... Uh, <clears throat> We have attempted, in our human, faltering way, to help bridge the gap. Other plans will come. Some of them may be better. But at this moment, I'd like you to open, uh, go back to your handout sheets, to the sheet called the seamless robe. The seamless robe. <clears throat> And it's quoting John 19, verse 23. Now the tunic that Jesus was wearing was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. And the question which, uh, which is raised here is, can the doctrines of the Seventh-day Adventist Church be effectively integrated with health so that the presentation naturally flows. Uh, I have uh, worked with uh, a well-known evangel well evangelist, and he said, okay, uh, Brother Youngberg, uh, you have the first 15 minutes. Uh, introduction, prologue. The first 15 minutes, when the people usually aren't there. You know how it is. And, uh, the, uh, but, uh, we started two minutes early, so we, we cheated and we got 17 minutes. And the people came. And uh, then you're through with your health thing and you sit down and now on with the program, why we came here. Uh, Daniel 7. Uh, I shouldn't say this, but uh, somebody, was, somebody was commenting about the study of the beast. And one dear lady said, I know who the beast is. It's my husband. <laughs> well, the, the attempt here, the attempt here has been to take these 21 factors. We spoke briefly on how we came up with a model of 21 from the book Ministry Healing, which include the eight natural remedies and the 21 topics, how do we integrate the Adventist message or the doctrines specifically in this? We are suggesting here a seamless robe. They, they put us here, here in a bridging, this is a bridging seminar we have with Dr. Nedley. We're the, we're the bridges, aren't we? Uh, over to the, to the evangelist. In a sense, uh, we're not exactly bridging, we already arrive at the doctrines in this seminar. And so notice, here we have the doctrine taught under love, command center. Look at hope here, for instance, number three. Give this to Dr. Nedley, would you? Hope, uh, Dr. Th uh, hope number three. Notice we, 
We follow a pattern in every presentation. We start with a gripping story. Number two, we go to information. This is science, scientifically credible information. After we establish the scientific base, then we move from information to inspiration. The science says this about hope, psychoneuroimmunology, Norman Cousins said this, etc., etc. And, and we quote the scientific literature. But then, after we have dealt with that, we move over into the inspiration. What does the Bible say about hope? The plans I have for you are plans of hope and to prosper you and give you a future. And now you notice under hope, we have the blessed hope of the second coming of Jesus. We have this, the resurrection and the, and the heaven doctrines dealt with, uh, dealt with with Bible verses, but lightly. We haven't come to scare the people away. Uh, notice the joy topic. We talk more about laughter therapy, as uh, Norman Cousins called it. And, but we move over into joy at the end of the great controversy, resurrection joy. When we, when we come to the, to the rest topic here, can you guess what doctrine we might be presenting? <laughs> hmm. uh, we, we'll leave that for your cogitation. Uh, when we, let me uh, move on to page three here. When we come to the crisis topic, whoop, I keep pushing the wrong buttons here. Well, I'm, I'm not going to look for it again. When we come to the crisis topic, then we deal with the greatest crisis that any family ever, ever reaches, and that is the crisis of death in the family. And so we just give a little, a little look there. What does the Bible say about death and the hope? we have of, of a better life. Well, uh, this, uh, this just, just gives you a, a, a really we have covered, we cover all of the doctrines except the spirit of prophecy that didn't seem to be, didn't seem to be the moment. However, we quote Ellen White, but not, not as a prophetess, but as a religious author. Okay. In my moments with you, I would, uh, I would like to just go very quickly over one topic, and, uh, and that will be the, uh, the crisis topic. <clears throat> uh, you notice our menus here. Here we have the 21 topics, and we can go to the script here, a script with graphics, the handout sheets, or the PowerPoint. We're going to go to the PowerPoint. And uh, I'll just... Uh, I'll just work my way very quickly uh, down through, through some of these. Uh, tragedy to triumph. We start with the gripping story, a family who's facing a crisis. They lost everything and uh, in a tornado. It struck twice, the emotional tornado. Afterwards, a decisive moment. The word crisis means, comes from the Greek, krenon, to decide. And we like the Chinese approach. The word for crisis combines two characters, which are danger and opportunity. That's what crisis really is. 
Okay, it contains, it contains four elements, and I'm going to skip down here uh, a few. Uh, the result is a state of crisis. Okay, why do we have crises? Sometimes situations we have no control over them, sometimes because of our own choices, sometimes we'll never know until the heavenly kingdom why we have faced some crisis. It may be things like Alzheimer's, it may be, uh, it may be children in crisis, a million children are trafficked into the sex trade each year worldwide, 22% of children in the United States living you know, below the poverty level, teens in crisis, uh, pregnancies, unwanted pregnancy crisis, etc. We, we, we go down through these, they can be developed, which you obviously would. We have a script that goes with it, but tell your own stories, they're always the most powerful. Uh, financial crisis, uh, some brief hints on that. Uh, single parents are in crisis. Uh, suicide family crisis, what are the stats? Uh, why do these things happen? Uh, so. Uh, Divorce crisis, uh, what are the losses in a divorce? Sometimes people see the good side to a divorce and they stop to realize there are inevitable losses also involved. Well, uh, we could go on through the loss of pets, the, the uh, HIV crisis. This dear Mary, I met her in the island of Guam, suffering from AIDS, not of her choice, not because of her lifestyle, and uh, yet she is on a one-woman crusade to help AIDS victims. And when Wes went to take the picture of her, the mother called up twice on the phone, don't let him take your picture. And she said, no, I want my picture taken. I want the world to know about, about, uh, about this AIDS program and what we can do. Well, how do we face crisis? And so, so we go on down, never give in, never, 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 and nothing great or small. We remember those famous words, 911 crisis, tsunami crisis. How would you like to be like this, uh, this man in Indonesia looking for his house after the tsunami? But we, we go on to, to deal with, with things like, what are the steps? What can we do? We have no right to tell the people what to do if we don't tell them how to do it, right? What are the processes? And so uh, the, uh, uh, here we bring in the, the state of the dead. What does the Bible tell us about our departed loved ones? Jesus said, death is a sleep <clears throat> and the dead will awaken, etc. John 5, 28 and 29. We go into psychologist Mark Stibnicki, uh, support the grieving, helping us to cope. Uh, remember, we're givers and we're also receivers. But I'll, I'll just hasten on, be, look at the positive side to these things. But uh, then we, we go to the Bible, Joseph and his 16-year crisis, and it ends up that he goes through crisis until the age of 33, the age of another who went through great crisis, the great crisis that brought salvation to you and to me. 
and the crisis of the Christ, from the manger to the cross, <clears throat> his footsteps descended into the dark valley of loneliness and despair. No one was with him. He had to face the crisis. And so uh, the crisis from tragedy to triumph, we gained the victory through him and how he faced those crises. Uh, I, uh, I don't have time to show you more PowerPoints. I think you get the idea. And uh, I would just go back here. We tell the people, always take some time to deal with the handouts. So I will take two minutes here. Look at numbers two and three, please. Have you ever had a personal or family crisis that you know God helped you move through and heal from? If so, what? Or three, recount how a friend or family member helped you in a crisis moment. What opportunities have you had to help others as they face crisis? In groups of two, because we don't have time for three, would you turn to somebody and answer either question two or question three if something comes to your mind? Would you do that right now? Okay, let's move on. Uh, a lot of things to cover today, so we got to try to stay on schedule. Um, Dr. Nedley, you didn't catch the introduction where I was talking about how uh, your work uh, basically saved a man from taking his own life. When we finally, finally, after a year of your program sitting in my office, we finally did the program. The Holy Spirit was working, and, and uh, literally, a man was ready to take his life. The day we started the program, we picked him up, from the beach where he was living as a homeless man. And now he's working, doing Bible studies on the radio in the local language of Guam. So uh, a, a medical missionary uh, through, saved through the, the health message. I wanted to um, show you how we have actually used some of the wind wellness materials to, to um, expand upon uh, Dr. Nedley's work in our own programs. Dr. Tam uh, at the Rancho Family Medical Group and I have been doing Dr. Nedley's program. Now we've gone through, we just finished our second 10-week series. So what we've done is we've added uh, the presentations that include the command center, forgiveness, hope, and crisis to the uh, Dr. Nedley's program and expanded it. It's a two-hour program on, on Wednesdays from 10 to 12, and we typically have 15 patients to come in there for a group medical visit, and we run it as a group medical visit. It's very it's good for the practice, and it's especially good for all the other physicians in our practice who, who would like to do something for their patients beyond, here's your medication, I hope it helps you, and of course, as you know, many, many patients don't, don't want that. They, wanna, they don't want to just rely on medications. They want to address the actual cause of the problem. So, so unfortunately, we have to go through these quickly. But I just want to show you how these slides work. And, and, um, 
in uh, the presentation format. We're in this great battle over the mind, and, and so we share the latest studies uh, on, on, on what's really going on, what is affecting the brain, what is causing damage to the brain, and of course all the different lifestyle medicine principles and strategies come into play as, uh, as Dr. Nedley has so ably put in his program. And so uh, we just incorporate these right into the program. So what I'll do is I'll just go through these real quick uh, just to show you uh, the, the value of this as a tool in your own practice or in your presentations. It can be done as a group medical visit or it can be done as a straight lecture in the evening or as a plug-and-play video presentation in the evening in your group practice uh, or even in your home as you're trying to get to know your patients better in your home. Transformation, Romans 12.2, is a big theme that we discuss in all our programs, whether they're group medical visits or whether they're um, part of the, the full health evangelistic program that we're running at the church. Uh, I like to end with this slide many, uh, many times, whether we're running a diabetes management clinic, whether we're running a cardi cardiac rehab program, says, uh, I, I never said it would be easy, right? Lifestyle medicine is not easy. It's not easy for us in explaining it and teaching it and, and modeling it to our patients, but neither is it easy for the patients who are struggling so much with all these core morbid conditions, and, and uh, they're, they're, they really don't have hope until you present it in a way that says this can be done. And of course, we have the tests available to us. Uh, I like to use uh, the, the test that Dr. Guthrie and others here in this room helped develop at the Lifestyle Center of, Medicine, uh, the Lifestyle, um, uh, Center of America. The, uh, uh, the C-reactive protein, the excuse me, the stimulated C-peptide test as a way to show patients who have diabetes that, listen, your, your, stim your stimulated C-peptide uh, is so high, that means you have good beta cell function or potential for good beta cell function. And so you're a really good candidate for potentially reversing the diabetes or greatly improving your blood sugars and greatly decreasing your need for medication. So we know who we can be aggressive with with regards to adjusting medications and who we have to be more careful with with regards to saying you should be able to reverse this because some people can't because they don't have enough beta cell function left for that. Um, so it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of techniques available that lend themselves so nicely to lifestyle medicine, especially when they're presented within the context of the spiritual dimension of holistic health, holistic wellness. The world is searching for that. We know from Dr. Dean Ornish's work, the world is, is really searching for holistic wellness, holistic health. And, and uh, they're either going to get it from a Hindu philosophy, by, from somebody who has passion and, uh, and, and has done great research and has great programs available, or they can get it from us from a Seventh-day Adventist Christian perspective with a health message that we have had that actually prompted people like Dean Ornish to get to the point where they are today. So we need to take back the helm, so to speak, and, and take advantage of the, of the message that we've had for so many, so many years. 
Um, so, um, I'll just quickly finish that, go, go to the end. Then I want to just switch, I want to just switch to, um, to the, a, new, a new program that we just developed. In fact, uh, about two months ago, we said we're going to run a six-week program at the Fallbrook SDA Church. Dan Houghton and his wife Karen really encouraged us to, to get started right away. And so within one week of deciding to do it, we just put notices in the paper. Uh, we, we did flyers for our patients in our clinic. And in one week, we, we were able to draw 200 people to our church. And, uh, and so we were able to professionally film this session so that, so that it, we had another tool available for a busy practice, a plug-and-play video presentation. And, uh, and so essentially, uh, this can be used to uh, play directly, uh, play the entire presentation through, uh, or go to the chapter selection. In fact, I think... It, I'm tied up here. There we go. Okay. Okay, so basically here we have, we can play the entire presentation or go to chapter selection. Um, and, and so let's say I, I only have 14 minutes for this patient to, to view something, so I go to Dr. M's presentation on seasonal affective disorder. And, and I don't know why the audio, volume isn't on now. Huh. It always happens right during a presentation, doesn't it? It's worked every single time I've done it so far, except for right now. <laughs> uh, okay, so essentially, this is, um, this is a 14-minute presentation on seasonal affective disorder, tying it into the whole question of what is the value of that natural remedy, sunlight. And it's really, if you think of it as health professionals, it's one of the most devalued natural remedies. We, in fact, it's not only devalued, it's, it's, we, we teach against it many times because we're so afraid of sunlight causing cancer, etc. And so this presentation was developed using the latest research showing the, the, the fact that you can you dramatically lessen the risk for melanoma if you get prudent, regular sun exposure. There's a lot of research to that effect, and, and uh, so we need to be on top of what the research is really showing. So let me just go to the beginning. This is uh, Dan Houghton with the, the, the introduction, and basically looking at all the, the miracle product of what sunlight can do for us. Dramatic studies uh, showing the different benefits. And... Um, uh, I'm just going to kind of. Yes. Is it turned off? Thank you. I see. And those.
those individuals and patients who have... Can you come up here and help me? <laughs> now, here we're, we're, our typical mindset is that sun causes melanoma, and yet the studies coming out from the most prestigious medical centers, universities, and journals are showing the opposite is true. That if we prudently take advantage of sunlight on a regular basis, that has powerful healing benefits to our body. So, In fact, uh, there was a study that just came out showing that sunlight actually activates the P53 anti-tumor gene more, uh, uh, greater than just about anything else. So that, that tanning is actually a sign that the P53 gene is working. So it's a totally different concept from what we're used to. And so, again, it's all about moderation and prudence and synergy and, uh, and all the issues of how diet and, and caffeine and other things influence mutations and, and damage to DNA and so forth in an integrated synergistic way. So that's all discussed in the presentation. Um, and, and so let me the just... treatment, though, be worse than the cure. What if we start spending time in this? So anyways, we just go, go through all these, uh, a lot of great information here. That's also in the, the PowerPoint that, that's available on CD. Okay, and this is uh, Don Dawkins, who used to be the director of the uh, uh, International Heart Institute at Loma Linda, who is uh, now an administrator at a hospital in the Oceanside, talking about how this affects black African-Americans and how it takes six times more sun exposure to get the vitamin D levels up to normal, and how that impacts colon cancer risk, breast cancer risk, uh, so many other uh, risk factors. So uh, we don't have time to go through any of the specific details, uh, but um, essentially, uh, one of the key things that I wanted to show you here. Just feeling stress. So we need to find natural strategies to de-stress ourselves. The doctors at the conference that we attended some months ago, the world leading experts on vitamin D, they posed this question. It says, how can deficiency of a single nutrient produce so many and such diverse effects on the body? Historically, if, if we would give a talk discussing so many benefits with one single nutrient, be branded a quack, run out of town. But here's the answer. From their perspective, they said that vitamin D is an integral component of the mechanisms whereby cells control genes in response to a variety of different factors in our life. And so adequate vitamin D enables optimal response to the problems that we're faced with. This term enabled is very carefully selected. Vitamin D does not force the body to do something that it doesn't want to do. It enables the body. So we're looking at the holistic... His biddings are enabling. The benefit of addressing physical and emotional and spiritual wellness issues collectively together is that light therapy, regardless of which perspective we're coming from, physically, emotionally, or spiritually, enables us to become healthier. Enables the body 
to start regulating itself according to God's original design. Let's look a little bit more now. So, how would a cell respond to, let's say, the growth of a new cancer or the, the exposure to a bacterium that could cause death if not addressed properly and rapidly by the body? So the, the body is asking the question, I know, I know I can make this equipment, but I need, I need to access the DNA informational database so that I can produce this and make those special chemicals and proteins to fight that cancer, to fight that bacteria, to fight whatever the body's... So we go on to talk about what is the key, and then we... we seamlessly bring in the spiritual relational component of how we have how sunlight can dramatically affect our mood and our attitude you know when you're out in the sun you're going to be much nicer to people the rest of the day you just have a better mood but also we have the sun of righteousness and how the sun of righteousness is the key to unlocking the genetic potential that God created us with and so that's all uh, addressed and ties into the gospel concepts uh, to attract that postmodern thinker. And that's the real value. One of the great opportunities we have with our health message is to attract those who are, are cynical about religion, who don't want to hear that churchy religious stuff because it doesn't make any sense to them. It's not practical. It's not, it's not something that they say, yeah, that makes sense intellectually to me. It doesn't make any sense to them many times until they start, they, they see the concepts in nature, they see the concepts in science, and, it, and they, all of a sudden you start talking about it from a spiritual, emotional dimension, they're going, wow, you know, this is all logical. And so now they're open to the spiritual issues and asking questions about, well, you know, I never thought of it that way. It's a total paradigm shift, and that's the value for the postmodern thinker who has no interest in religion. All of a sudden, it's awakened within his soul. He now recognizes that there is a peace missing that only that can provide, and that is the son of righteousness. So... Um, so that's, uh, that's essentially how we end with that, with that type of information. Now, um, let's just talk briefly, um, let's just talk briefly about our materials, but, but first, but first I want to uh, uh, bring Dr. Tam up. Okay, come on up. Uh, Dr. M is the president of the Rancho Family uh, Medical Group in, um, in Temecula, California. He also uh, spent six years in Guam. That's where we, we, we first met. Of course, I see many, many Guam people here, Dr. George Guthrie, uh, who, who was there for 10 years before I arrived. Or, and, uh, oh, okay, I, I never met. Uh, so many of you, and I don't see Dr. Robinson here. He's probably manning his booth, uh, medical director there for many years. So Dr. Dr. M will discuss how this relates to all the health professionals in the church getting involved with this program. We had well, how many physicians? We had like eight physicians, four dentists, three nurses, two dietitians, a couple of health educators participated in the six-week series that we just finished. And it just really brought the church together. It made the community feel like, hey, this church is really our community church now. 
Yeah, thanks, Wes. Um, now, this is a wonderful program, especially you know, when you try to bring it together with your clinical practice as well. You know, we have a group of about 18 you know, primary care providers, and when we brought Wes on board beginning of this year uh, to head up our wellness center, it just brought a different dimension into how we provide care in our clinic. And then at the same time, when we have this Win Wellness program running at the church, patients come there to receive uh, you know, free lectures and free counseling afterwards. They, uh, they question you know, who we are and then they say, oh, where have you guys been? We've been looking for you guys for years and I haven't found a doctor that applies these principles into clinical care. And so it's been a tremendous resource for our group as well in bringing in new patients who want to be treated with healthcare principles rather than just giving out medication for this and that. Um, it's, a, it's had an impact on my practice since Dr. Youngberg's been here. You know, I've been busy treating patients. You have 40 patients to see in a day. You can't do a lot in that short period of time. But after going through and, you know, doing these programs, you start focusing more on what you dwell, you dwell on, you know, what, what you put in your head, you know, besides the drugs. We start discussing, you know, thinking about all these wellness principles. So instead of pulling out the drug, it's like, oh, you need sunlight. You need uh, to exercise more. And with these topics that we discuss and the powerful stories that are there, I mean, it's a lot easier in my practice to motivate patients to do natural remedies, you know, and just say, here, I, you know, from one of the stories about Hulda Crooks, you know, climbing Mount Whitney 28 times, I see a 65-year-old never exercise. Well, look at Hulda Crooks, you know. She started exercising at age 60, and at age 90 is when they tested her. She was physically the age of someone who was 60 still. And that gets these 65-year-olds and 70-year-olds motivated to say, hey, I could do it too. And so all these stories are really powerful. And I think, you know, if you go through the Win Wellness program and just see what's available, it's really easy to use. And I think that's the other thing. We're so busy in our practice. For me to develop a two-hour lecture on sunlight or on joy or happiness, things like that, I mean, I'd be staying up all night for a month. But, but this is already done for you, and then you could incorporate your stories and your materials and your clinical experience and make it more personable in the way you want to present this. And so it's an excellent um, you know, tool to witness and to bring people into our health message. It helps with your clinic. The other thing I want to mention, too, is in our group of 18 uh, primary care providers, since Dr. Youngberg's come on board, one of, the, one of the difficult things was how do we incorporate a wellness program to primary care providers and have them accept this type of a program? You know, because people, you know, they know about vitamins and natural remedies, exercise and things. How do you incorporate that? But since he's come on board, and we've been doing these diabetic classes, lifestyle classes, this uh, depression recovery program. I mean, the patients speak for themselves. You know, they come back and, 
after we send them to a depression recovery program, they go back to their doctor and say, oh man, it's a wonderful program, I've learned so much, or their diabetes is now under control with less medication, cutting it down. The providers can't really say a whole lot, except, wow, it's working, and we need to continue to support our wellness, wellness program. So that's been a wonderful part of our journey so far in, in Rancho Family Wellness, uh, wellness Center, as well as our group. And uh, it's a wonderful tool to use our health message to reach people. And I think this is a great, great venue for everyone to have in their, in their hands to use. So if you have any further questions afterwards, I'll be around for a while. And if you know how to implement it in a group setting, um, there is ways. I mean, we build out for services, you know, how to do, you know, depression recovery program in your clinic as well. If you have enough people, feed them in. They, you collect co-pays, and for PPO, they'll pay for those, for those seminars as well. So it's a wonderful tool that we have. Thank you, Dr. M. So real quickly, I just wanted to sh uh, feel free to come by the booth if you want to discuss any of these programs directly. But um, what, we have, what we have here is, um, is uh, a manual. 500 pages with all the research and all the scripts that's available to any of you who like to do the presentations yourself. That's what I prefer. Um, and, and even if you're doing the plug and play video DVD series, um, uh, you, you, it's still nice to be able to research it for yourself so that during the question and answer session, during the group discussion, at your home, in the church, or in the clinic, you, you, you have the latest studies available to you. Um, and then, uh, of course, you can also just do the PowerPoint presentations as we've been showing you. Those are available on CD and DVD PowerPoint, so you can show them on a TV as well. So all these are available uh, tools for you to be able to get that message out. And so I'm the, we're going to finish with uh, my father uh, discussing, uh, wrapping this up for you. Michigan Conference studied this plan, and they invited my wife and me up to visit with them. And we've gone now seven times, visiting with the conference president, the secretary, the departmentals. And starting on February 15, they are launching this program in all of Michigan in what they call 1,000 Homes of Hope. They hope to have 1,000 of these going in neighborhoods in Michigan. The Michigan Conference bought the sets for all of their pastors, just came back two weeks ago from Puerto Rico. The three conferences there bought the material for every pastor in, the, in their conferences. The healthcare professionals in Dominican Republic, they bought 100 copies uh, for use you know, among the healthcare professionals. Uh, we thank God that the program is going. And uh, we, uh, we believe that the, uh, the end of all things is at hand. And we're happy that there are wonderful programs. WIN is one of them. Depression Recovery is another. We, you have the, the, uh, the list in your hands. And come by, the uh, price list is in your hands. Come by our booth out here, and we'll be happy to talk to you. We, we thank Dr. Nedley for being with us. And I think we're ready to turn it over to him. Uh, first of all, I want to thank the Youngbergs uh, as well for what they've developed. Uh, it's great uh, resources and uh, hopefully we'll all uh, take advantage of that in some way, shape or form. Uh, it is uh, 
Amazing how many different specialties, though, the, uh, the mind affects. And uh, what we have uh, uh, found out in depression recovery, you know, it's been used in dermatology offices, it's been used in uh, all sorts of different uh, specialty offices. And often if you have relationship issues, you know, if you, uh, if you take them through peak mental performance, uh, which is what depression recovery is about, their relationship problems uh, also clear up. Just a few statements here. Sickness of the mind prevails every, everywhere. This is Ellen White, Five Testimonies. Nine-tenths of the diseases from which men suffer have their foundation here. Quite an interesting statement. Uh, Nine-tenths. And, uh, you know, when you take a look at it, even uh, uh, heart disease, many people with heart disease recognize that uh, they could be living a better lifestyle and are not living it. What's the problem? The problem is the mind, it's not the heart. Uh, and uh, so it is with so many uh, diseases uh, that are out there. Now there are some religions that teach that 10 out of 10 diseases, 100% are caused by the mind. She was more balanced than that. Uh, and uh, you know, the Christian scientist, for instance, believes that. Uh, but uh, it's clear not all diseases have their origin there. Perhaps some living home trouble is like a canker eating to the very soul and weakening of the life forces. So often it's a home trouble. Remorse for, sin and some, uh, remorse for sin sometimes undermines the constitution and unbalances the mind. There are erroneous doctrines also as that of an eternally burning hell and the endless torment of the wicked. And by the way, these are erroneous doctrines uh, we often don't talk about, but you know, they're causing their problems uh, in regards to mental disease, in regards to physical disease, and even in regards to death. I don't know if you remember the uh, person, uh, Susan Smith, and this isn't unique, it's happened many times since. Susan Smith, does that name ring a bell? Yeah, yeah she was the one who, um, yeah, drowned her um, children in a car, you know, uh, backed it into the lake. Uh, and then, of course, told a lie about it and said that she was kidnapped, etc. And then finally it came forward what had happened. And then uh, she was asked why she did it. Do you remember why? Anyone hear that? The, the media didn't really propel that that much. The reason why she did it is because she had a living home trouble. It was like a canker and she knew that she was go headed for divorce and she couldn't bear the thought of her kids growing up in a very divided home and also knew that if her kids died, they would be in heaven. And so why take them through this world with all the turmoil of a separated home when she could actually uh, be the means of placing them in a far better place? Uh, an erroneous teaching that ended up resulted, resulting in murder of her own children. But yet, if people actually believe those doctrines and teachings, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's also interesting. I've gone to funerals before uh, where individuals were killed uh, by murderers and thieves, and the minister is actually placing this person in heaven. And if that's the case, why are we trying to arrest that guy? if he actually helped that person go to heaven. You know, we don't arrest people that do good things to people. 
But, you know, they're, they're, these erroneous doctrines uh, that the Bible doesn't teach and are, and are actually against logic uh, can cause a lot of problems. And that's why the element, there's three spiritual components of the depression recovery program that we teach. Uh, one is truth, the other is agape or um, altruism or love, and the third is freedom. And this program is being taught by a lot of people that are not Seventh-day Adventists now. The Baptists have come, have come across it, and uh, they're buying up our materials in, in rapid numbers. The Mormons have come across it, and other faiths are coming across it. And so we're training people of other faiths to do it as well. But in order for them to continue to do the training, they have to stick to those three foundational principles. Truth, agape, and freedom. Uh, and uh, that, those three principles, if they're, if they're taught in a consistent manner, are going to produce a lot of benefit. So erroneous doctrines also of that of eternally burning hell and the endless torment of the wicked, that by giving exaggerated and distorted views of the character of God have produced the same result upon sensitive minds. What has happened with that? That's produced infidels. Infidels have made the most of these unfortunate cases, attributing insanity to religion. But this is a gross libel and one which they will not be pleased to meet by and by. The religion of Christ, so far from being the cause of insanity, is one of its most effectual remedies. For it is a, what? A potent soother of the nerves. The religion of Christ, a potent soother of the nerves. We've had uh, individuals. How much time do we have? Does anyone know when this thing is, is over with? 15 minutes. All right, 15 minutes. We, we started 15 minutes late. I don't know if you run 15 minutes late. Oh, that's, that's all right. I can, I can end in 15 minutes. Uh, the, um, uh, what it has been amazing uh, to us as well is the, the link. I guess with the comprehensiveness of depression recovery that also encompasses the spiritual it awakens a number of minds who don't think they have any spiritual aspect to them. Uh, just this last uh, uh, Monday night, there was a, an individual there. And one of the things that helps when we do our depression recovery, in fact, you can do this as well. When you run your program, uh, your scores come through our, our uh, office uh, if you choose to do so. And then the scores afterwards will be produced, and you can actually see the significant before and after differences in depression, anxiety, emotional intelligence. We now have an emotional intelligent aspect of the test. And uh, that's dramatic. The, the improvement in EQ, objective improvement in EQ is pretty dramatic. Uh, and this is our, our studies from all across the nation. These are thousands of people enrolled. Over 90% of people who go through a depression recovery program held by anybody, as long as they send their scores uh, uh, to us, it, it turns out 90% have a significant improvement in their depression. And that's better than any medicine on the planet or any combination of medicines. It's pretty dramatic. Uh, their anxiety levels uh, significantly improve. This is all documented in our Excel uh, database. Uh, their EQ scores improve. They usually go from a little below average to the top five percentile in the nation in emotional intelligence. Uh, and uh, at the end, of course, when they come together to the banquet, they can see their group. They can see the before and after, and they can see they won't have names, but they'll have numbers. And you can see how some people come in with severe depression, leaving with absolutely no depression. It's pretty amazing. 
And uh, as we were going through this banquet, we gave them one more time to sign up for the Daniel study. And in the sixth uh, lesson, we give them an opportunity for signing up for the Daniel study. And the eighth lesson we do as well, and then at the banquet. And uh, this one individual is a very intelligent individual, does a lot of research, doesn't really have any interest in religion at all. In fact, he was a little concerned because it was being held at a church. And he said, I just want you to know that, that you know, this, uh, the church part of things I'll never be a part of. Am I going to still be included in this group? Oh, yes, you will be. Uh, you know, we're not going, you know, this isn't, uh, we're, we're here for the, uh, for the whole comprehensive part of it. But when it also got to the frontal lobe, which is a spiritual part, and then you can also see the other nice thing about having these scores, you can see the changes in each one of the areas that your participants have made and as a group. And so you can see how many people came in with frontal lobe hits who are no longer leaving with frontal lobe hits. Uh, and so you can, I would encourage you when you run the program to run those through. It helps our database in Excel so that we can compile all this information. But it also helps you to be able to, we can give you the PowerPoints back to present that at the, um, at the banquet. But this individual, after uh, the banquet, he signed up for the Daniel study. He's coming to, uh, for our study on Monday night. And he said, I, was, I would have never guessed that I would have been interested in anything like this whatsoever. But he said, uh, he said, I really am interested in this Daniel study now. And he says, I'm excited about it. And so uh, he's, of course, the Daniel, we, we present it from disappointment to appointment. Every chapter starts out with a disappointment, ends with an appointment, the key on how to get there. And we just go through, it's a very simple study, we just go through verse by verse and they bring out the truth uh, in, in the whole group. Uh, but uh, they, uh, uh, many people have come into the full truth of the message of Jesus Christ as a result. Uh, we had an atheist that attended our group and although I'm centering in on the agnostics and the atheists, uh, there is also from many other denominations who've come who've had an active interest in in, uh, in spiritual things, but want to uh, get more active. And so they're interested in the follow-up Daniel study as well. But uh, I remember one atheist that actually came to the Lifestyle Center of America for the residential program. And uh, she, we have at the, in the residential program morning and evening worships when they're there. And by the way, if you have your treatment-resistant depressed individual, um, you can try the outpatient approach, and that, that'll work 90% of the time. But for the 10% that it doesn't work, uh, refer them for the residential depression recovery program, because those lifestyle changes are going to be mandatory when they're part of that. Uh, and uh, and the, the significant, uh, I mean, we did, it's an intense program where we have the counseling and all of those things, and it's, it's a dramatic difference. Uh, but this individual is an atheist and said, I notice you have this hope in the morning, I think is what it, uh, Lifestyle Center called it. And uh, what are, you know, I'm not going to, I'm an atheist. I'll just tell you I'm an atheist, and I, I really don't think I should go to that. What do you think? So she came up to me and asked me. <laughs> and uh, my question was, well, how secure are you in your atheism? And she says, very, very secure. I says, well, then you don't have anything to worry about. I said, <laughs> 
I said, you know what, I, I have gone to courses that are taught by atheists. I said, you know, there's cognitive behavioral therapy that are taught by atheists. And I said, some of the things they say, I just totally disagree with, but there's some truth that is there that I can benefit from. And what I would encourage you to do as an atheist is look for the truth and, and, and adopt that truth. And she said, okay, I can do that. <laughs> and so, um, at the end of the program, at the last visit, where I'm doing the comprehensive visit, uh, the three spiritual components came out very strong, truth and love and freedom. And she says, Dr. Nedley, uh, she says, uh, you know, I, I know I said I was secure in my atheism, but I want, just want you to know I agree with truth 100%. I agree with love 100%. And I'm convinced that when I go back to Canada, I'm going to go to church, but she says, I'm going to go to a Seventh-day Adventist church because they believe in these things. And so uh, uh, not, a, not, a, not any pressure techniques at all, but just presenting truth and love in a healing atmosphere. Uh, and indeed, uh, it is amazing. He does not wish the medical missionary work to be separated from the gospel work or the gospel work separated from the medical missionary work. These are to blend. Medical missionary work is the pioneer work. It is the means of breaking down prejudice as the right arm and is to open doors for the gospel message. And if it is done in accordance with the Lord's will, that's uh, exactly uh, what will happen. And it will be an entering wedge. Now, uh, I'll just go through this uh, quickly on healing the right arm. I think we need the right arm healed in our practices as well. Luke points out a story where a man whose which hand was withered? Matthew and Mark tell this same miracle, but they don't say which hand. Luke was a physician, paid a little more attention to detail, tells us which hand it was. And of course, in Greek, it's not just the hand. You know, the, the nails were actually put here. It says the hand, but it, it's really talking about the arm there. So this man had a withered arm. And the solution to it, is the words of Christ here, verse 8. He knew their thoughts, said to the man which had the wicked hand, and he gave him four instructions. The first one is, rise up. And anyone else want to guess where that term, rise up, comes from in the Bible? Where else it's repeated? It's Nehemiah. Jerusalem lieth waste, the gates thereof are burned with fire. I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. This means teamwork. Nehemiah said, let us rise up. And when we're doing this, it's good to get as many good team members involved in this as possible. It helps them as well. We've had many churches do the depression recovery program. And in fact, some of the conferences are really supporting it, you know, like Michigan is now supporting WIN and the other conferences should be supporting WIN as well. There are other conferences who have uh, recommended that every one of their churches hold a depression recovery program in the community. Uh, I've actually supplemented and bought the materials for them to do so. And what they tell us is, although they're doing it as community projects, the advantage of it is that their churches no longer have the internal struggles that they were having before the internal struggles seem to vanish. And why is that? Unity, it has to be based on truth. You know, we're getting rid of those cognitive distortions that are out there that have produced a lot of this disunity. 
And so although they did it to reach the community and it's done that, and many baptisms have, have come about as a result of depression recovery, the big bonus is the church is getting along better. And what they have told us is that they have taken people who are some of the most primary problems in the church and put them in, uh, factored them in and having them be a, maybe a facilitator in depression recovery, et cetera. That means they have to come, they have to look at the DVDs, they have to look at the workbook ahead of time, and they have to figure out how they're gonna help this group see their own distortions. And in that, in that process, they begin to see themselves as well. And, uh, and so uh, this teamwork, rising up, uh, is an important uh, component. And by the way, when we do some, th some things like this, at first we're going to be scorned, just like uh, Nehemiah was, laughed us and scorned us. And then Nehemiah answered, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build, but ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Second words, he said, was stand forth. And uh, we'll uh, deal with the myths in a little bit, but uh, that word stand forth, I plugged it into CD-ROM. Your prosperity, Dr. Kellogg, has been in proportion to the efforts you have made to make the truth stand forth in its purity. Your medical practice has been attended with success because of his blessing, and if you will acknowledge him in all your ways, he will direct you into paths of complete victory. And uh, this is what uh, will happen when we make the truth stand forth in its purity. And you know, a lot of physicians, I think it's becoming less so, now, but it's still there. It's very pervasive. A lot of physicians feel that if they make this truth stand forth in its purity, it's going to be a practice killer. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, when I first came to Ardmore, Oklahoma, there were uh, Adventist physicians. There was an Adventist hospital there. And they looked at what I was going to be teaching, and they shook their heads, and they smiled, and they thought, this guy is going to be run out of town. They don't, he does not know Ardmore, Oklahoma. <laughs> and then they were shocked to see whole groups uh, wanting to come in and, uh, and uh, our practice being filled up completely. And it was a mystifying thing to some of them as to how this would happen. But I can just tell you that when you make the effort for the truth to stand forth in its purity, it will be a practice builder in every way uh, if you're truly doing it in love. It should stand forth with scientific ability. That's that term, stand forth. Moral and spiritual powers of faithful sentinel reform in all its bearings and all who act apart in it should be reformers. And then the scriptures talk about being, standing forth with your helmets, furbish the spears, put on the brigadines. That's putting on the armor of God, which is part of this whole process. And then Stand forth in the midst. In my opinion, the reason why the right arm has not been restored to its rightful place is we use it as a gimmick mm -hmm. to get out and, you know, maybe before an evangelistic meeting or maybe, you know, as some sort of tool in order to do something else. But in healing the right arm, Christ made it clear this man was to stand forth, not just in the corner, which is where he wanted to stand for. Disabilities were not honored by Social Security checks in, in his day. And so people with disability are actually thought to be dishonored by God. They didn't want to show their disability. But here he was telling him to show it and to stand forth there in the midst. And I think in the same uh, section, it has to be a central part. The, the health and healing message needs to be a central part of what we're doing as a people in our practices as well as in our local churches. And when we do so, we're going to see that same restoration. He arose and stood forth. And then Christ asked him a question. 
And to his dismay, he got no answer. Verse 10, looking round upon them all, he said unto the man, stretch forth thy hand. Now the man could have said, let me, I'll, I want you to heal it first, then I'll stretch it forth. I haven't used it for years, Lord. But he didn't say that. In fact, the spirit of prophecy comments that he could have said that and did not. He said, she said he did everything in his mental power to fulfill the command of Christ in stretching forth the arm. And that's what the scripture implies here. He did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other in chronology there. And so we don't have to, before you run a program like this, you don't have to feel like you have to have everything in line. You know, one of the things our own, uh, many of our churches have said is, well, depression recovery, you know, we need to do this just for our members first. So we kind of get it together and then do it that way. We, we recommend they actually do it for the community. They can learn in the process as well. But they don't have to have it all together in order to put on a program like WIN or Depression Recovery. You don't really feel like you have to you know, learn all of this material. A lot of those, those tools are ready-made. You just need to learn how to help the, uh, the people like you would uh, any person uh, in helping them to, uh, to make uh, the needed changes in their life. Do so in a loving manner, and then the right arm will be restored uh, to its rightful place. Well, in closing, uh, let me just uh, go through the, the closing part of, uh, of the, the decision-making uh, process. But, you know, when it came out completely even, uh, Doug Batchelor happened to be speaking there uh, Sabbath in Arizona. He was very anxious to make an announcement there, and I told him, no, I'm not ready. Uh, I'm, you know, everything's even. He wanted to talk to me about it and see why it was even and those type of things. And we went, he was trying to see what he could do to, to, to get... The, anything he could do to be able to get some of those con things to be uh, positive, et cetera. And uh, there were uh, several things when we looked over this exhaustive list that, uh, that could have put it into more of the pro state at Weimar. And I told him that he didn't really have control over any of those. Uh, and uh, he did state that um, he... Uh, uh, felt that those things would be taken care of uh, eventually, somehow, some way, and uh, thus uh, it would uh, happen. And so uh, he wanted to go forward and make an announcement based upon faith and uh, that those things would happen. And that's basically what has happened. We're waiting for uh, confirmation in those things. Some of those things have happened. I mean, one of them was not being, I wanted to uh, not lose any of the, uh, the certain privileges that I have in the hospital setting that I uh, am at, just simply because you don't want to, I, I know the Lord's need uh, for physicians and to be able to uh, utilize their skills, and I didn't want to uh, suppress a number of the skills that I currently had there in Oklahoma. And I didn't know the political environment in California. I know the, for those of you in California, you have a lot more doctors per capita than what you have in most other states of the union. And I know the credentialing process is often a political process and not necessarily a scientific process, uh, cause just because I've seen it work out in our own hospital sometimes that way. And so uh, I just um, you know, uh, talked to the local hospitals uh, that were uh, there uh, to see, you know, if they would uh, have any needs in those areas. And they were polite, and of course the administrator uh, never can give those uh, assurances anyways. They like to. In fact, they said, oh, I'm sure this will be worked out. And I thought, I've seen that 
stated too many times by our own administrator at our hospital because they want to track whatever physicians they can. Uh, but uh, those type of things have been, uh, have been worked out. Actually, it's the medical staff themselves that have called saying that they actually need my procedural skills uh, there because of physicians that are moving, et cetera. Since that announcement, a lot of physicians that do the skills that I have have moved. And so there's needs in those areas. Some of those things are being worked out. Some of the other confirming things are not being worked out. But one of the things that leads me to believe that this will happen, hopefully at Weimar, at least someplace, is this quote, sanitariums are needed in which successful medical and surgical work can be done. Did you notice that? Mm -hmm. Sanitarium work was not just to be preventive medicine, lifestyle medicine. A full sanitarium was also to include acute medical and surgical work. These institutions conducted in accordance with the will of God would remove prejudice and call our work into favorable notice. The highest aim of the workers in these institutions is to be the what? spiritual health of the patient. Successful evangelistic work can be done in connection with medical missionary work. It is, the, it is as these lines of work are united that we may expect to gather the most precious fruit for the Lord. And I've seen many of our institutions do great acute medical and surgical work. Often they don't take advantage of the spiritual interest that is awakened. I can tell you in the acute care setting, it's easier to make that spiritual bridge than it sometimes is in a lifestyle medicine setting where people don't have that urgent acute need. And so uh, there is a, a need uh, for this all to be comprehensive. And so uh, we have institutions that do the acute work, and then we have institutions that do the lifestyle center work. And often they criticize each other, uh, et cetera, when in reality it was to be a whole, and the spiritual aspect was to be uh, the most precious fruit. I've also had a great desire to train young people to see this work before they go to medical school. You know, I had to learn it after medical school as far as what lifestyle can do for the uh, body and the mind uh, and many diseases. Uh, but if they can learn it while they're in the pre-med stage where they actually work at a center like this, where they can learn a lot of skills there in their pre-med uh, times and they also see the great benefit of how this patient has been changed physically and spiritually. They see their before and after cholesterol levels. They don't have to think it's voodoo. Because a lot of docs, even graduating from our great Loma Linda University, if you tell them about this, they think, oh, that's an anecdote and that's kind of voodoo. They've never really seen it happen. And so they have to trust. But once you've seen it happen on a grand scale and you've seen the, 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 uh, the vast improvement that can be done there, it will help you through medical school in regards to physiology and all of that, and will also help you to uh, be able to really be that medical evangelist right out of the gate uh, and not have to develop those skills uh, later on. So we'd like to develop Weimar into a full pre-med accredited institution where you can get uh, all sorts of different training that are th that, that's there. So uh, it is, um, uh, but uh, one of the confirmation areas needs to be in regards to uh, even uh, finances. Um, in order to get this uh, whole vision accomplished, it's going to require some significant finances. Are the finances out there to do it? Uh, absolutely. Are the people that have the finances uh, uh, willing to help support it? You know, if you just put $1,000 a month into Weimar, uh, if, uh, if any physician did that, uh, who was interested in this work, it would virtually uh, support it uh, or, or for those who, uh, who could do more. And so it is a, uh, a work 
uh, that is going to require financial support at first. Uh, the first uh, few years after it's established, I have no doubt it can be indeed self-supporting. But in order to get the uh, capital and to get the staff, the accredited staff, to, uh, to, to be there, uh, it also turns out it can be an institution that can be an end-time institution in regards to um, agriculture. You know, as uh, people haven't figured out where these 700 billion yet hasn't really been put into the economy yet, but when the 700 billion bailout is put into the economy and all these other bailouts are put in, it's very clear what happens when other countries have done this. What happens to the price of commodities? Yeah, dramatically. It's dramatic inflation. Uh, we're, we're in that pre-stage right now, but that's where it's going to happen, and that's why we're told near the end those who have a plot of ground uh, that can grow their own food are going to be like kings and queens, uh, in essence, uh, because of the, the, the cost of commodities. Weimar has the ability to feed the entire campus, the entire uh, hospital staff, the college students, plus more, uh, if, if it's done right, and that means that that could be an institution just like uh, was predicted the 11th hour converts would come in because there's a time when the preaching of truth is going to be outlawed and banned. And when it is, missionary work isn't over with yet because they will come to places like a Weimar to get their healing. And I can tell you one area in particular, I wish I could show you the studies that have been published just in the last five years on alternative, we call them alternative, but things from missile toe extract injected into the bladder to fever few for acute myelocytic leukemia to whatever. Uh, when we have a comprehensive approach that involves surgery, radiation, judicious chemo, and other lifestyle measures, uh, it's the leading cause of death under the age of 85. There's no doubt Weimar could be a, an exceptional cancer treatment center. And if it really uh, produces what it should be uh, and the preaching of truth is outlawed and banned, will the government close it down? They, they, dare, they dare not, because people that have been healed will demand that it stay open. And when they come there, they'll be able to see the full gospel of Jesus Christ, and those will be the 11th hour converts. She says the last work to be done along medical missionary, along evangelistic lines is medical missionary work. So I'm looking forward. We need to be planning now for that future, but I'm looking forward uh, to that, and I would certainly encourage you uh, to log on to Weimar.org. I know this was supposed to be about depression recovery, wasn't it? But uh, we've now moved to Weimar.org. And, uh, and see, the, um, uh, see the, the, the summit leaders on what they said there. Just, read, just listen to Ed Reed's 15-minute exposition on financial, on finances in the end times. And, uh, and consider either joining us uh, and helping us in one way or another to see this institution uh, become uh, really what the Lord would have it be. Any questions or comments for the Youngbergs or for me? All right, well, let's close with prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the interest that you have in our health of body, mind, and soul. And we uh, thank you for the tools that have been developed uh, by the uh, Youngbergs and others for the furtherance of your cause and for uh, really having the health message be an entering wedge to the heart and soul. We uh, uh, pray, Lord, for your uh, success of these tools, and we also uh, thank you for uh, uh, giving us the vision of how this health work doing in accordance with your will will bring in the most precious fruit, for the Lord's cause. In Jesus' name, amen.